0: This is Sex Ed Debunked, a cross generational podcast hosted by mother daughter duo Christine and Shannon Curley, where we talk about all the things you learned or didn't learn in sex ed and where it all went wrong. From the abstinence curriculum to the monogamy myth and the vast spectrum of rainbow representation, we'll get real about
1: sex positivity and catch you up on the birds, bees, and everything in between. Tune in to Sex Ed Debunked wherever you get your podcasts and follow us at Sex Ed Debunked on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hi, welcome to Sex Ed Debunked, a podcast about sex, sexuality, and everything your phys ed teacher probably skipped out on in your high school health class.
0: We're your host, Christine and Shannon Curley, and we're so excited to be kicking off our first episode.
1: Throughout this podcast, our goal is going to be to address traditional approaches to sex ed and debunk the myths about sex that a lot of us learned uh, in our conventional sex education or lack thereof.
0: We'll try to bring in perspectives from our own experiences, as well as trusted academic research and examples from current events and popular media.
1: And we're hoping that kind of presenting this information together as a mother-daughter team will be able to reach across ages and generations and fill in the gaps for young people, adults, older adults with questions, etc. And uh, just kind of fill in what we've all been missing out on this whole time. So mom, hi. (laughs) I think, you know, a good way to start this out is to talk a little bit about your story because, you know, this has been an interesting route to not only getting to this podcast, but also getting to this point, I think, in your life and in our relationship where this is something that we would even want to talk about.
0: True. Um, So I guess the first thing I want to make clear is like, this wasn't always who I was. Like, I grew up on Long Island, strict Roman Catholic family. Strict upbringing. I learned that sex before marriage was a mortal sin; that I would go to hell. <laughs> I wore uh, uniforms through 12th grade, Catholic school through 12th grade, and then I even went to Catholic college. So, if you have sex, you'll die, <laughs> um, or your mortal soul will die. That's which actually is a even lot worse. worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, even you're right. Worse. That's a lot worse. <laughs> but um, I was kind of always kind of positive of my own personal sexuality, um, but then. Had a baby at a very young age. Who's that? Your brother. Oh, great. <laughs> I was still in college, but settled down. You did the responsible thing, you know, um, finished college, went to law school. So I ended up in like a super conservative profession with super conservative people in New England.
1: Not to mention a male-dominated profession oh as an attorney, right? <laughs>
0: right. And, and, and I could tell you stories like about being told, uh, asked, asked by a judge whether I was the paralegal instead of the attorney. So I had a lot of experience with, uh, I wouldn't go so far as to say gender discrimination, but certainly not being treated on a par with other professionals. Um, But I did the thing, you know, I did the conservative career and I was good at it. Uh, But then I got a point in my life, quite honestly, where it wasn't enough. I wasn't – I didn't have my family support because, Shan, you were done. You you graduated.
1: You moved out. You bought a condo. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. My bad.
0: (laughs) No, totally proud, all proud. But then I was kind of looked around and said, is this what I want? So I started actually – a really good friend of mine um, brought me to Brene Brown, who I always say now is my spirit animal. And by reading her work and daring greatly in particular – I decided to go back to school,
1: but Darren greatly isn't about sex per se, but it is about you know kind of reclaiming yourself and your identity, right? It is, and it's about it's about
0: like embracing that fear, and as she says by quoting Teddy Roosevelt, "Get in the arena, get in the arena, and and change it up because change is good um, and scary and and terrifying." I mean, here I was, almost fifty years old, going back to college,
1: and that's where you are now. So, and, and I mean, for me, I think you know. I was in college, I think, when you started maybe having, you know, it was close to the end of college, but when you started having this sort of like breakthrough. And I remember even coming home from college, you know, on school breaks and like, you know, all of a sudden you weren't wearing so many suits anymore. You were wearing like yoga pants. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, interesting. Is mom like becoming more in touch with her spirituality and herself? And and I think like, you know, I didn't know that it was necessarily going to become, you know, this passion about positive sexuality, but there was a noticeable shift from like, you know, attorney mom to yoga mom. <laughs> and in my mind, that was actually how I contextualized it, you know, when I was just only seeing you when I was home on breaks was like, yoga mom.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, that well mom. your mom. I, I like being mom. yoga mom. <laughs> yeah.
0: But I also was like embracing this. Like I went to Rhode Island College and it was amazing to be around uh, younger people who had great ideas, who were talking about sex in a different way, talking about sexual orientation in a different way. And I started learning stuff like mind blown, like things that I just didn't know because I was no longer in it. And now I became in it.
1: Right. And it's, you know, it's like that classic scenario of you don't know what you don't know. And then when someone starts talking about it, and I think like, you know, to bring that back to the purpose of this podcast, it's like you need to start conversations in order to have conversations. And so if you don't know what you don't know, then you don't know. (laughs) But once you start to know, then you know everything, (laughs) right? Like you want to know everything. Well, you
0: do. And And I think you're really right, Shannon, is that for all of us, we have to be open to what we don't know. We have to realize, like, as you said, like, our first myth of this is we're not experts.
1: Right. I mean, you are now teaching human sexuality at UConn. You're getting your Ph.D. in psychology with this focus on sex psychology. That doesn't mean that we know everything. And, and, and that's a really important point to make in this first episode especially is like we are definitely here to help educate. We're definitely here to normalize the conversation. Um, but we don't know everything. Um, and, like, I, I think what's really cool about what we're doing here and I think it's important is that, you know, we're talking because we think this this conversation is important to normalize. And if I can have the sex talk basically with you, my mom, on air, <laughs> yeah. then maybe that'll change some people's minds about what is and is not, you know, quote unquote okay to talk about.
0: Right. And, and the one thing I want to say is we're going to try to be the most trusted resource you have. So we might not know the answers, but we're going to know how to find them, and we're going to have an honest conversation. And the idea here is to try to reach out to young kids, emerging adults, and like people my age. Because I talk to my friends, my friends I play tennis with, people I drink wine with, um, and they're like, I didn't know this. And so all of us, I think, my passion is all of us needs to talk about sex and sexuality, the way we talk about our diets, the way we talk about how we exercise. Yeah. Like, it's an important part of who we are as humans.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, that's why, you know, you and I started having these conversations. And it helps, I think, that, you know, even before you were in this education track and, you know, back in school, like... Me being a part of the, you know, rainbow community coming, kind of coming out, kind of clumsily navigating that experience with you had opened different and new and interesting conversations together. But even just like a few months ago, you and I had that really long talk about just like, man, these are things that we should be talking more about. And that's how we ended up here was saying, hey, that would have been useful to know for me growing up, it would have been useful for you growing up. And, and then, you know, frankly, the, the conversation also was because the state of sex education is like l- lacking. <laughs> lacking for lack of a better term. <laughs> uh,
0: lacking is kind. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know growing up myself, um, which is several decades before you, uh, as I said, growing up Catholic, what my sex ed was all about uh, don't get pregnant, don't have sex.
1: That's that like sick. mean girls, right? When coach cars, <laughs> like, <laughs> don't have sex because then you'll get pregnant and you'll die. And you'll die. Don't have sex because then you'll get chlamydia and you'll die.
0: <laughs> and don't have sex. Uh, you're, you're committing a mortal sin and your soul will go to hell forever. Ooh. Boo. <laughs> and so, I mean, our sex ed in Catholic school, so we picture this that you have um, the boys in one room, the girls in the other room, and I don't know what the boys learned about Um, girls learned about. You're going to get your period and you're going to have babies. So don't have sex.
1: (laughs) Which is a little backwards (laughs) given how, you know, babies actually happen. But like, we'll let it slide. So I hope 30 years later, was it better for you? (laughs) Um, No, this is like one of my favorite public school education things to talk about, actually, is that my sex education was um, my male Phys ed teacher who you know and and that's wild right that like hey I went to school for sports (laughs) you know and physical education but like let's also try to teach you about sex and health Um, so my teacher in high school vetoed that process Um, it was like one semester or one quarter of the. Uh, phys edu- physical education class that we were supposed to do sex ed, and he didn't want to. So instead, day one, he just gave us all of the answers to the scantron test, and then we spent the next couple of weeks watching Remember the Titans. Oh God! <laughs> yeah, and I, I didn't I, even know. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't great. Um, like I know Remember the Titans really, really well now, but that's not super conducive to actually being educated in any kind of sex. Although I do, you know, joke that. The good thing was they did teach us um, ooh, ah, uh, oh, yeah, ooh, ah, uh, feeling good. And so that's that's something I have, would have, say. Have
0: you used that?
1: <laughs> um, no, because it was not communicated as positive sexuality at that time. It was communicated as... Uh, Remember the Titans.
0: Well, you know, in, in one of our future podcasts, we will definitely talk about sexual communication and, and that it is important to say, ooh, ah, feels good.
1: So <laughs> maybe
0: what you choose your words, but it is actually kind of important to Yeah, sexuality. I think it maybe was a
1: stretch. I think if I went back to the school department and said, like, hey, thanks for teaching this to us early on, they, I mean, at minimum, there'd be some angry letters from parents. So, yeah, I mean— This is the problem, though, right, is there's a 30-year gap between when we were both in school where we would have, like, theoretically received sex education. And and that's what we got was either you're going to hell or maybe you'll be drafted for the high school football team. (laughs) Those were the choices. And, I mean, you know more about this than I do in terms of actual numbers, but I'm pretty sure it's true that even only a handful of states have – even the bare minimum of sex ed requirements, right?
0: Right now, like currently only 30 states in the United States even mandate sex education. And that's just like like saying that we're gonna talk about it at some point. Most states will do it under like the umbrella of health. So what happens is you're talking about avoiding pregnancy and safe sex, which are good, but that's the limit. That's the limit. And that's only in like a handful of states anyway. Um, It's it's frightening. Um, It kind of goes through uh, regional lines that you might expect. But the fact remains that you're talking about my generation, your generation with so many gaps. And so that's why the myth of this episode is sex ed is taught in school because we all think like, okay, dump, dump, dump. School's taking care of it. That's not.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of wild to think about the fact that even the bare minimum of sex ed isn't mandated in every state because that's like, I mean, it's basically like making sex ed an elective, but it's something that is your body and that should be a part of, I mean, it it is a part of your entire life, no matter what your sex or sexuality or whatever, like sex is something that follows you your whole life. It's something that you experience your whole life in one way or the other. Even the absence of sex is still a conversation. And to make that basically an elective is like saying you can opt out of like math well (laughs) like no you don't have to take math actually we decided it's not that important like i mean why are we learning about a hypotenuse but not learning about like you know safe sex or or, or proper anatomy i mean listen i'll tell you i would have way rather taken comprehensive sex ed than taking pre-calc like 100 percent, if that was an option i would have opted out of math every time um but you know it doesn't work that way for some reason like this is sex ed is at best, maybe an option in a lot of these places. And even in the places where it is mandated, it's not doing particularly well. Except well, maybe, I don't know, I think, what we say? Like California is California, starting to trend a little bit.
0: California is pretty comprehensive. Um, Oregon is pretty good. Um, but what happens is sex ed becomes one tiny class right. in health ed. And it's really about, this is how babies are made. And this is how you avoid STIs. And the best way to avoid... Disease is to not have sex. In yeah, it. just don't do it. So some some states will talk about condoms. Some states will talk about that. And so, you know, when you think about what things should be included in sex in sex ed, the very first one is usually contraception and safe sex.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I obviously it's not. Um perfect anywhere probably but I do think that's probably one of the directions that has shifted a little bit is there is more taught about contraception and safe sex not everywhere obviously but even just I mean you grew up in on Long Island which isn't you know the most conservative but you went to Catholic school but I'm sure abstinence was still the message at least for me you know, again, remember the Titans. But on that Scantron (laughs) What did the Scantron Some of the questions on the Scantron (laughs) did mention contraception. So theoretically had we been taught it and our, our teacher hadn't just like fully opted out of being an educator, it was part of the Scantron, so that probably would have been part of the curriculum. So like, you know, yes, that is probably number one the bare minimum but number one is talking about contraception and safe sex and not just abstinence only but that kind of brings up the other question of like if that's our number one beyond that what do you think and obviously we'll get into this in further episodes but what does good sex education actually look like like if we're saying number one is contraception and safe sex what do you feel like comes next
0: well for me i would say number two and the number two like huge gap that obviously we'll be addressing in numerous podcasts going forward is sexual decision making like actually being able to decide whether or not to have sex which so is So do you mean like
1: just consent or
0: No, more than that. Like am i ready?
1: Oh, yeah. Am i
0: ready? And and consent being yes. Right, not, not just, just being no. no, and we will we'll go into that because that is like a very passionate area of mine is to talk talking about affirmative yeses as opposed to the noes and the sexual scripts. We will trust me for anyone who is listening. We are going to go through this and we are going to answer all your questions about consent and what it means.
1: So one, contraception, safe sex. Two, sexual decision making. And when you say sexual decision making, like yes, yeah, so consent and you know affirmative and agency. But I think that also plays into the that's kind of the response to abstinence-only education too, right? It's like it's the ability to realize that you do own your own body and like your body belongs to you and you get to make decisions about it because it's yours.
0: Even jurisdictions and places that talk about decision-making are talking about discipline. And we want to say that sexual choice is a choice. Whether you're having it, whether you're not having it, who you're attracted to, who you're not attracted to, all of that comes under the penumbra of sexual decision-making. That kind of leads into it, though, is who's making the decisions. And so a huge piece of sex ed ed needs to be healthy relationships.
1: Right. So that's moving beyond the individuals and talking more about, you know, who's involved in a relationship. And obviously, like, we'll go into this in more detail in future episodes, too, because not all relationships only have two people. But for the the purpose of this, it's, you know, and I think this makes sense. This is a progression, even as you're just, you know, kind of off the top of your head saying what comprehensive sex ed should include. Like, this is a smart progression from, yes, talk about contraception and safe sex talk about sexual decision-making, then moving beyond the individual, talk about healthy relationships and what goes into that. And there are, you know, there is more than one person in a relationship. And so each person in a relationship gets to have a say in in how that functions and how that works. And I think because sex ed is often taught as an individual experience, and, and I mean, it mm. makes sense, right? It's taught, it's taught as an individual experience because it's abstinence only. So why would you need to talk about a relationship if the whole thing and, and, is and, and, stay apart? <laughs>
0: And also because it's taught taught as part of health ed and healthy relationships. I mean, my take is healthy relationships should be taught as part of your schooling experience anyway, whether it's sexual relationships or not, because, you know, people don't, you don't you're not born knowing how to interact with other humans. You learn it. And if you don't learn sexuality, you don't learn what's healthy and what's not. So that's a big gap. It's a huge gap. Right. And even the healthy relationship with yourself. Mm -hmm. So we'll talk about that, too. There's a a big barrier to healthy relationships in terms of sexuality is people's body image and performance anxiety. Like that's unhealthy. And that's something like all that will be we'll delve into that really deeply because body image, especially for women and performance anxiety for men is a huge barrier to healthy sexuality and positive sexuality. And we got to like ditch that cultural crap. Yeah. Excuse my language, but
1: we got to do it. <laughs> this is a podcast about sex, so I think you probably can say crap, and that might be on like the lower end of the spectrum of things that'll appall. But, um, but this is the
0: intro episode, so I, you know, there were some things that I just will save for the future.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, we're gonna advance from crap into more severe <laughs> profanity later on. Um, no, but I think what you're touching on here is important. That you know, if we're not, if you don't talk about these things, it's hard to have a model for them. That's why, too, I mean, obviously coming from my perspective and being a part of the, you know, rainbow community, it's like another thing that would have been really useful to talk about in sex ed for me would have been sexual orientation. And Huge. like, you know, not just from a having sex standpoint, but from a this is another model. And and it's and it's a acceptable model. It's not just like, you know, another model, but it's aberrant. You know, it's it's something that needs to be talked about because it's really hard to feel comfortable with yourself and with anything that you do, <laughs> whether that's sex or just you know enacting the gender that you believe you really are, and like all these things, it's hard to do any of that if that conversation has never even been brought up, let alone normalized, right? So, yeah. these things that we've talked about and then healthy relationships and sexual orientation are really big. You know, it, it, representing more can only be good. It doesn't and, do any harm.
0: <laughs> and like once again, that's a huge gap. I mean, so the scary thing, Shannon, is there are still some states in this country. They talk about homosexuality as being against human nature. I mean, how, you want to talk about being medically inaccurate, right? And talking about creating this this stigma
1: from like day one. Yeah, I mean, even the, the etymology of the word homosexuality was just created to, you know, basically subjugate it to being lesser than heteronormativity. But those words were invented as an effort to make it seem like a worse class, you know, and that's why th- there's no H in no. LGBTQIA. <laughs> no. You know, there's like there, we don't. That's no. not something the community wants to be identified as because it's very, you know, it's very scientific to call it that. But it's it's you know, anytime you create a duality like that in language, you are creating a privileged party and an oppressed party, and that's like how that works. So, you know, I think even even those. Sex ed programs that are talking about it, um, you know, not as like, "Hey, you're going to hell," but <laughs> talking about it, you know, that's language. It's language that needs to be moved away from too. Like, we need to use more inclusive language. There needs to be more discussion of, you know, it's not heteronormative and homo weird. You know, it's like right, there's exactly. just a spectrum. And of course, like again, this is things we'll talk about in future episodes. But I think when we're kind of laying this core foundation of what needs to be covered, it is really important to talk about sexual orientation because. Kids, young adults, adults, throughout their lives, they're discovering these things about themselves, whether we're talking about sexual orientation or they're talking about sex positivity. It is a lifelong education. And the more that you can be armed with credible, factual resources throughout that lifelong education, the better off you're going to be
0: completely. And as you said, like one of the things we will talk about when we talk about the Kinsey scale, you know, the original, the original sexual the orientation OG. scale, right? The OG scale. Um we'll talk about that, but we're also going to do that issue of if we can start talking about this at a young age, then it just becomes discovering your likes, discovering your attraction, discovering this not this like Oh, so hard to come out, so hard to deal with my identity. It could just become a natural part of growing up. And when we talk in a future episode about your story and your coming out story, part of this sex ed roadmap that we're setting out today for our audiences is to understand we're going to talk about these things so that maybe the next generation of kids doesn't have to listen to a podcast. They could just sit down and talk to their friends or sit down and talk to their family and not feel like this is like this wall they have to climb all by themselves.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, if you normalize conversations, then it's it's an okay conversation. You know, it's, it's a fair conversation to have. It's a welcome conversation to have. It's a transparent conversation to have. And that's what we're doing, you know? And like we said this already, but we're not 100% the experts by any stretch of the imagination, but we really will do our best to make sure that what we say is backed up, what we say is coming from a place of empathy, is coming from a place of compassion, is coming from a place of understanding that representation is hugely important with feeling comfortable with who you are and how you move through this world. And I think
0: part of this, Jan, is we're going to be learning together because I still I learn from you every time we have a conversation I learn from you when when you bring your friends over. I learn from your friends. I learn from just the conversations we have on a couch or on a beach. And that is, I think, an integral part. I mean, sex ed sounds kind of academic, but we're talking about life education. Life education is from – I'm going to argue, I'm going to talk about this in another podcast, should start when a child is two. I know, not sex. But talking about bodies and things like that will make it feel like your sexuality is part of your humanity. So the last piece... The last piece is, which which is my soapbox, which I'm not going to get on today, (laughs) but the last piece about sexuality and comprehensive sex ed
1: is Is sexual pleasure. It's good and healthy. (laughs) (laughs) And it's
0: huge. It's healthy. It's good for you. It's like exercise. It's like fun. It's like, you know, pick your favorite sport. For me, it's tennis. For you, it's soccer. But sex is fun and it's good. (laughs) For some people,
1: it's sex. (laughs) There's no Olympics for that yet, though. It's weird.
0: No, no, (laughs) but... um,
1: but we'll I think, work on that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how, how do we grade
1: it? I don't know. It's very subjective.
0: <laughs> 10 <this. laughs> out of 10.
1: Very flexible. Um, no, but I think that, yes, this is an important message that sexual pleasure is good and it is healthy. There's also research behind this, though. This isn't just so soapboxing boxing because you're like, woo, sexual liberation. No, no. You actually have the research to support it, right? Like, there, there and, is. Well,
0: it's research. And it's actually part of the dissertation I'm working on. Right. And the connection is. Repeat it over and over and over again. Research study after study. Globally, cross cultures that sexuality, healthy sexuality, which means a
1: positive. Right. Good sex is good for and, you. It's
0: positive. And, and, and your subjective positiveness. So not measuring how times do it. Measuring how many orgasms you have. Not that. Do you in your own body feel satisfied with your sexuality? And if you do, better sleep less stress, less anxiety, and then you get to the big ones. Better cardiovascular health, better longevity, healthier relationships, and one that I found really cool in my life, greater pain tolerance. Like it helps you manage chronic pain, which is kind of like and those studies, if I'll talk about those are mind-boggling how consistent they are. So it's it's not just good for you in your head in your emotions in your spirit it's actually good for you physically and you know that's something that I think that our culture forgets
1: no oh, it's positive if you never talk about it then you don't know it's positive so you know I, I think basically <laughs> inadvertently we just said sort of five top things that are missing five top gaps and it's contraception and safe sex one it's sexual decision-making too. It's three, healthy relationships, four, sexual orientation, and five, sexual pleasure as good and healthy. And I think as we move through this podcast and as we, you know, cover more of these subjects and we interact more with our audience, we will go into all of these topics a lot more, but we'll also explore all of the subsets of all these topics and all the things that go into it. And, you know, we're not saying that every high school sex ed class has to have Every single one of these things that we're talking about every single episode, because there's a lot, there's a lot, there's a lot, a lot, a lot that you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper on this. But the reason this is sex ed debunked is because the, the myth that sex ed is comprehensive, if at all even existent, is one that's really dangerous ultimately to, you know, sexual well-being, psychological well-being, emotional well-being, well-being just in general of understanding who you are. And, you know, that's the biggest myth of all is that you know enough to know. We've got a lot of work to do, right? Um, But I think at least for for this episode, we can successfully put to bed (laughs) (laughs) the myth that sex ed is taught comprehensively in school. And that's, you know, part of our charter that we're laying out is that we're going to tackle that myth ongoingly um, by providing better education and continuing to debunk myths that we have seen throughout our own lives. But also as we interact more with our audience and more of their listeners, we want to hear more about what you've experienced, too, and some of the myths that you think, you know, you've learned in your life and that would have been really great to be debunked a lot sooner. Next time, I think appropriately, our plan is to tackle the talk, quote unquote, (laughs) aka did your parents... Ever even talk to you about sex? <laughs> I won't call you out now, Mom, but <laughs> sorry up for the next episode. Uh, but for our new listeners, we definitely would. I mean, for our new listeners, you're all new listeners. Thank you for tuning in. Um, we'd love to hear what your version of the talk was, um, and, and also we'd love to hear what your version of Sex Ed was. So drop us a message. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook um, at Sex Ed Debunked, or feel free to shoot us an email at Sex Ed Debunked at Gmail.com. Um, we're super excited to hear from you because. you know this is a conversation it's a conversation and it's a community and we want to really create a community here that is super inclusive that is really respectful of all of our various experiences um, and you know increases our knowledge beyond our our limitations that we certainly have Um, so anything that you are comfortable sharing with us we would love to hear it Um, and we would love to use it to help inform our future episodes so that we can continue to debunk myths and uh, you know educate sexually (laughs) well and so that's uh so the the next
0: episode um we're going to debunk the myth that the birds and the bees is all there is
1: (laughs) there's a lot in between
0: (laughs) there's a lot in between and we're also going to talk about some of the top things that parents should um, try to talk to their kids about at various ages and we're also going to try to help parents work through that the talk um Maybe it shouldn't be the talk. It should be a conversation (laughs) throughout their life,
1: yeah. And (laughs) because capital T talk, (laughs) it's a lower T or maybe a low C conversation. It's a capital T talk if you only have one. True.
0: (laughs) So what we'll do though is uh, part of what we hope to do is is help parents go through that those conversations so that you become well adjusted, that parents are adjusted, that the kids grow up throughout their whole lives feeling a little bit more comfortable about their sexuality. So next myth is. The birds and the bees is all there is.
1: <laughs> and we'll <laughs> debunk it. There's a lot it. more. <laughs> There's a lot more going on in there. Cool. Well, that's awesome. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate you tuning in for this first episode. And, um, again, please send us a message everywhere, anywhere you go on social or sexeddebunked at gmail.com. And uh, be sure to tune in next time when we put another myth to bed. <laughs> Thanks. This is Sex Ed Debunked. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Thanks for tuning in for this week's episode of Sex Ed Debunked. During the course of our podcast, we have limited time together, which means that unfortunately, many identities, groups, and movements may not be represented each week. The field of sexuality and gender orientations, identities, and behaviors are changing and growing rapidly, and we remain committed to being as inclusive
1: as possible. Please remember that all of us, including us, are learning in this area and may occasionally slip up. We ask that we all continue to be kind to one another so that we can create a truly inclusive and accepting environment. As always, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us at Sex Ed Debunked on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Sex Ed Debunked is produced by Trailblaze Media along with myself, Shannon Curley, and Christine Curley. From Trailblaze Media, our engineering is handled by Ezra Winters.